Hi, gorgeous. This is episode number 199 with the amazing Rennie Gabriel, who is back on the show today. Hi, this is Rennie Gabriel. You are listening to the Heart Cells podcast with Christine Shalonsky. Enjoy. I'm really looking forward to this next conversation with Rennie. In the first one, we actually talked about his path, where he went from collecting bottles to multimillionaire, and that he did only in a few years while earning $5,000 per month. He now lives on the investment income and he donates 100% of his book, training and coaching profits to an organization called sheltertosoldier.org, where dogs are rescued from dreadly environments and are trained as service animals for post 9-11 soldiers who have returned with PTSD and a traumatic brain injury. And I love when you are in the position that you can decide that you have choices in your life. And the way to go there, we're going to talk about it today with Rennie, is really important because you need to learn how to pay yourself first. So enjoy the next episode with Rennie. Well, hi, Rennie. I'm so excited you are back today on the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I so enjoy our conversations. Yes, and I love to talk about wealth and wealth building. It's so exciting because one of my biggest values is freedom. And when you have enough cash, <laughs> it's, you know, you have choices. And I, I love for people to have choices that they make from their hearts and that they don't make because they have to make them, right? Because there is not truly a choice. Yeah. So no, when you have to do it, there's a lot of pressure and that's not fun. Yeah, totally. And for me, life is about fun and creating it the way we desire it, because that makes us experience so, so special. And then when we get to the point that we can give back, that's awesome. And we always can give back, but the more we have, the more we can give. <laughs> so. Oh, yes, absolutely right. And, you know, entrepreneurs became entrepreneurs for the freedom. And uh, one of my coaches has a great expression, and it goes along the lines of, uh, when he's looking at doing something, he asks himself a question, is this going to contaminate my freedom or contribute to my freedom? Mm, I and like that question. Yeah, I think those, that's a good question to ask from the standpoint of any entrepreneur who's looking at a growth direction or a product line they want to take on or a client they're going to work with. Um, that question really helps create a lot of clarity. Is it going to contribute to my freedom or contaminate my freedom? Yeah. And there are clients that I've jettisoned because they were, con uh, they were hurting my freedom. Yes, yes, <laughs> totally get that. So we talked in the last episode, we talked about that you became a good salesperson. Yes. So what was actually like, what was the very, very first thing in your life that you've ever sold? Um, I'm going to guess it was when I got out. Oh, oh, no, it was before I got into the insurance business. I was selling machines that would press people's clothing. It was advertised on TV and then I would go out to people's homes with a demonstration of how this machine 
could press their clothing like if they were to take it to a dry cleaner and they could have this in their home for $400. And my ineffectiveness at selling uh, was that I was always having to discount the price because it was $400. And this goes back uh, over 40 years ago. But a good salesperson who was in the same company was selling more than I was selling, and he was always selling them for full price. Yeah. So, so did you have a meeting with him experience. to learn? <laughs> Say again? Did you have a meeting with him to learn? <laughs> um, we did talk about it, um, and I realized, yeah, I need to up my game, and I was able to give away less discounts. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, so I did improve, but I, I, I didn't get to where he was. He was probably 10 years older than I was. I was in my 20s and, um, you know, lacked the experience that he had in terms of making things happen. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that that story. And, you know, when, when people listen in, I really, my desire is for them to really get, you can learn this. And the beauty of it, it doesn't need to be difficult. It's actually pretty simple. And you can have fun conversations instead of sales conversations. When you really redefine sales for you, when you change your mindset. So when you started to create your wealth, what would you say to a person who is looking into starting saving or paying themselves first? Are there any other elements that need to be considered to make that maybe a more fun or a faster experience? Because, you know, some people think, you know, if I put away like 10 bucks or 100 bucks or 500 bucks, it's taken me forever and I really want to get to that million. So what, what can I do? What will I see? What will I experience? What's the reward? Because that's definitely not a short-term game to stay in the game. It is a step-by-step -step process. And when I started over at age 50, when I was broke, uh, I was only earning about $5,000 a month. And I was using the concept, pay yourself first, setting aside $500 a month. I was putting it in some individual stocks I was buying. They were large company stocks that would still be around, you know, a long time into the future. I wasn't being speculative with it. But I also realized I have what are called control issues. Um, you know, if I own stock of General Electric and I didn't think one of the products that they were manufacturing was of the right quality or the right design and I wanted to tell them, they don't care what I have to say. Come on. <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't have some controlling interest of General Electric. And so what I realize is there's absolutely no control. I can't talk about who they should hire or how they should distribute profits or anything. But what I realized was if I had it invested in real estate, I could exercise my control issues. I could choose who was going to rent it or where I was going to buy it or if I was going to remodel it or when I was going to sell it. I was in control at that point. And 
what I was doing was, like I said, saving $500 a month. When I had saved up $18,000, it took three years. Like I said, this is a step-by-step process. I had $18,000. This is the more, this is more in savings than I'd ever had in my life. And I'm 53 years old by this point. Um, my wife has uh, had a person, she was in real estate. She had a partner in real estate and he said, I found this three unit building I'd like us to buy. And I couldn't go 50, 50 with him. I only had $18,000 for a down payment. So my wife came up with 18,000. He came up with the balance 36,000 and the three of us bought it together. So that's why I say wealth creation is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. Um, We cleaned up the building, we re-rented it, and multi-unit properties value is based on rental income. It's not like a house. So the more rent you get, the more valuable the building. Well, in six years, that building's value increased uh, by about $500,000. My little 18,000 grew to about 130,000 in value. And in the United States, we were able to do a tax deferred exchange and none of that money got taxed when we sold the building as long as we bought something similar and we bought a 15 unit building from that three unit. You know, and over time I borrowed money so that the three of us could make down payments on more apartment buildings, which we did. And in about eight years, I went from, or we went from three units that we owned to 50, five zero units. And, you know, it just, it kept, we, our net worth grew dramatically because of what we were doing. We bought buildings where we could add value, where the tenants were being taken care of, where they were happy to live in the buildings that we managed. They were happy to be in the environments that we created for them. They were good people. They paid their rent on time. They took care of the properties because we treated them like these were important people. And they were. They were buying the real estate for us. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I attribute the, the sales background that I had to treating your customers like real human beings that you want to serve. And I treated the tenants like real human beings that I wanted to serve. And, in, and they treated us back with respect. Yeah, I, I, I love that. It's, I was just going to say, what, can we just take that concept and just put it into a regular business situation? Right. If you see like you are kind of building a house and you want the best tenants ever, because once you have a client and you serve them well, they will become fans. They will come back to buy more and more and more. It's like they're paying rent, right? They they kind of move in with you. (laughs) And then they're so excited because you serve them so well that they want to like buy everything you have. And it's just going to be one step at a time. So when we manage to have this great relationship, then basically a, a client is just um, unlimited potential. Absolutely. When, you serve, when you're in business and you serve your clients, like you're really taking care of them, they want to buy more and more from you because they enjoy feeling taken care of. 
I've had, I've talked to other, and this does relate to business. You know, right now I'm in the real estate business and I've talked to other people who have studio buildings that have studio apartments, which is, you know, generally one person's living in it and it's small and it's short term. You know, if they stay for a whole six month lease, it's a long time. I have tenants who have been in studio apartments for 10, 15, and 17 years on a month-to-month basis, and they don't want to leave because they feel taken care of. And when you have a business and your customers feel taken care of, they don't want to do business with someone else. They want to continue doing business with you. They want to buy more from you when you have new products or new services because they've been taken care of in the past. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so when we look at all the amazing things you have achieved, and in episode one, you said it had a lot to do with mindset, with attitude, um, with getting rid of limiting beliefs or, or shifting that. What's your biggest fear today? I can't even identify a big fear that I have today. Um, it's not dying. Hey, you know, if I die, I die. Uh, I've done the estate planning. Uh, my children and grandchildren will benefit from what I've built, and they're good people. I, you know, I'm thrilled with what they've created in their lives. Um, I'm not worried about running out of money. I'm not worried about the stock market crashing. Uh, if it does, we still have plenty. Uh, I'm not worried about earthquakes. We have earthquake insurance. I, you know, I can't even come up with a fear I have. Maybe the only, okay, I think I can come up with one. That I become mentally incapable. If I can't think straight anymore and I don't even know it, that would be a fear. Yeah. Okay. So no, no business fear, no mm-hmm. fear at the moment, just total bliss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I do have an upset that I'm not able to contribute the level of income I want or donations to the charity, you know, but that's a solvable issue. It's not a real fear. Yeah. And do you even have bad days? Um, I, I, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I do, but I can't identify with any of them. You know, my wife has this comment about me. It's just like, he's as steady. He's just as steady as can be. Um, I mean, my life is so blessed. I have wonderful relationships. I have prosperity. I have health and you know, I'm truly blessed. You know, I mean, what would a bad day look like? You know, I stub my toe. Well, it'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what advice would you give to people who might have some bad days? Like how can they adapt such an attitude? Because I mean, it's an audio interview. What then people could see you. It's like you, you radiate, you, you look happy. It's fun to talk to you. So what, what could people do to get to that point where maybe they can feel that more often instead of being stressed or worried. Uh, It goes right back to wealth creation as a team sport. And when you are 
out of sync, when you're feeling bad, when you have fears, you want to have people you can reach out to, whether it's an accountability buddy, whether it's a coach, uh, whether it's a mentor, it's being able to have someone that you can talk to because that reduces the fear and the upset and the concerns. Most of the time it eliminates it, but knowing that someone else has got your back makes a big difference. Uh, I don't care where you look at it in business. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the business concept and wealth creation is a team sport. I, I was an angel investor in a business and I started to learn what does it take to be successful uh, in a startup business. And in every successful business I was learning about, there were two people involved. Now, I know a lot of your listeners may be solopreneurs. And that may be one of the first things that they need to change and bring someone else into the company who has the same vision that they have. Every successful business, and I'm talking about General Electric, I'm talking about Apple Computer, I'm talking about Berkshire Hathaway, I, I, company after company had at least two people driving the business and they both had a different function. Uh, as an example, in Berkshire Hathaway, you have Warren Buffett, and I'm going to label him as a visionary. He sees what needs to be done. He knows what companies have a value. He knows how he can grow the company. And then there's a second person, and his name is Charlie Munger. Most people have not heard of Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger, I will label as the execution master. And, it, and he's a 50% partner in Berkshire Hathaway. And no one knows who he is. Why? Because he's behind the scenes. So Warren is out front. Charlie is behind. Warren is a visionary. Charlie is executing, executing on Warren's vision. And, in, and when Steve Jobs had his visions, it was Steve Wozniak who was executing on them. And if you look at every successful business from a startup stage, Hewlett Packard, on and on and on, Disney, Walt Disney. Walt was the visionary and Roy Disney was the execution master. Over and over again, you will see it was two people with a different skill set that took small businesses and made them enormous. Now, if a solopreneur wants to stay small, and that's a choice, that's fine. But if they really want to grow their business, they need to bring in someone else. If they're both the visionary and the execution master, they are not going to be effective at growing the business, having it being profitable, creating the level of wealth where work becomes a choice instead of a requirement. Hmm. That's such, such great advice, especially for, for solopreneurs to look for ways to partner up with somebody. Yeah. And that's where I've identified where I failed. My art gallery business failed because I was a solopreneur. My pension administration company grew because we had three partners, we had different functions, and we sold it off to a public company. Hmm. That's interesting. That's probably really something people can take to think about how they can leverage their time because as a solopreneur you probably do most of everything yourself 
And not all of that time is invested wisely because your strengths might be in, in other departments, but you still have to do all the rest. Exactly. A good example is someone who does their own QuickBooks instead of hiring a bookkeeper. And if you look at it from the standpoint of, let's say the solopreneur has a product, a service, and that when they're in the selling mode, uh, and they're, let's say they're earning $100 an hour, $150, $200 an hour, makes no difference. $100 an hour, fine. When they sell their product or their service. And then they sit down and they're putting the information into QuickBooks and they're writing the checks to pay the bills. Um, that's a function that a $25 an hour or $35 an hour bookkeeper can do. But instead, they are spending $100 an hour efforts to pay the bills. Mm. Because if they were instead in front of clients, they'd be making $100 an hour. No, they're sitting and doing bills and giving up $100 hours to pay bills instead of paying someone else $35 an hour. If they paid someone else, they could be out making the $100 an hour instead. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point uh, to make. And thank you for explaining it so well, because that's something, the concept that people don't get. And that was something mm -hmm. I struggled with at the beginning of my business, like wanting to have a control, <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, also, you know, kind of understand. But once you understand how it works, you can really see that you outsource it because it's not worth your time and your business grows faster because now you can spend your time with something that's a more fun and b you yeah. are so much better at it and c it gets paid so much better than what you pay another person to outsource what you don't like anyway so yeah awesome so what would you love to leave our listeners with um Something similar to the first interview, and that would be that if they go to the wealthonanyincome.com website and click on the link that says free gifts, they'll have all sorts of business building tools that will support them. There's videos that they can watch. There's a free summary of my award-winning best-selling book. And I send out an email once a week, um, Attitudes of the Wealthy, and it's a series of 30 emails. Then I go into the myths that people buy into, like I need to pay debt to create wealth. And, you know, people have these misunderstandings and they'll have the opportunity to examine them and reframe what they're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for investing your time with us today. <laughs> I just, I just love this interview. I just love talking to you. It's so much fun. And, and so valuable for everybody listening in. So people hop on over to wealthsatanyincome.com. No, wealth on. anyincome.com. I definitely have it right in the show notes <laughs> where I will provide all the links to Renny so you can connect on social media, have the homepage, and everything is just one click away. Thank you so much and have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you, Christine. So much fun to be with you. What another inspiring conversation. I hope you loved it. Hop on over to christineschlonsky.com, find the podcast tab, grab Renny's wonderful gift, and also have a look at his TEDx talk with every click he gets 
on the YouTube channel. He will actually give $1 to the wonderful organization shelter2soldier.org and you can be um, helping Rennie and the organization by just watching his amazing TEDx talk. So hop on over to christineschlonsky.com forward slash podcast. And while you're over there, also sign up for the empowerment notes that will keep you in the loop, will give you the updates on Heart Sales Podcast and the wonderful guests who are sharing their stories. And also I will share things that I usually do not share on social media to inspire you, to empower you, to kind of give you what I have learned over the years in high ticket sales and also some tips, some advice, some inspiration on how you can embrace sales, redefine sales so that you can live your life beyond your wildest dreams. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in this beautiful world. And I'm saying bye for now.